Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ask the CEO with Avraham Gatile. Today, I'd like to introduce a very special guest. He's the founder of T-Man Speaks, a tech and media consulting practice focusing on cloud computing, cybersecurity, HR tech, social media, and emerging technologies. His aim is to help organizations keep their information protected, make better use of cloud computing, and more effectively use various technologies as well as social media. He is an advocate for millennials and Generation Z, a big supporter of global goals for sustainable development. He is the host of the popular vlog, T-Man Speaks. It is my pleasure to welcome the T-Man himself, Tony Flath. Welcome, Tony. Hey, Aram, how are you? It's great to be on. Thanks so much. I really, this is awesome. Yeah, it's really awesome having you. So I see that you've got a backdrop of New York City right behind you. That's the city. I sure do. I sure do. I'm going to be there next week for hashtag win with AI and IBM analytics event about winning with artificial intelligence. Looking forward to it. That's awesome. And looking forward to it as well. And hopefully we can hook up live when you're here in New York. Yes, I'm hoping we can do that. Awesome. So talking about technology, uh, there's a there's a term that you hear a lot when speaking about education called STEM. Now, as a supporter of young people, what is STEM and why is it important? Right, right. So it's it's science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And you'll also hear, you know, from the UK, you'll you'll hear it referred to as well. Well, here as well is STEAM because they've now also integrated the arts into it, which they should. Um, you know, certainly uh, from that perspective, it's about blending those together and, and uh, how does that work for individuals to have a, a, you know, full scope across that spectrum. And more importantly, how do you incorporate those skills with skills that we have day to day? You know, how do you encourage that? Uh, you know, it's certainly, a, you know, a push and a focus for, you know, getting more women in tech. Uh, you know, getting girls interested in technology, things like that, allowing them to go beyond, you know, I can't do mathematics, I can't do engineering and, and you know, programs and, and ways of, of approaching that to, to really encourage that, that behavior. And, you know, it's interesting to that point. So one of the challenges we hear about all the time is that there aren't enough qualified candidates for high tech jobs like cybersecurity. Uh, what's your opinion on what should be done to address this challenge? It's a really big challenge. And, and um, you know, it's something from cybersecurity alone. There's just not enough people that are going to be, you know, filling the jobs or the, the jobs of today and really the jobs of tomorrow. Uh, you know, for yourself from working, you know, in the communication space and now your main, you know, more focused on the IoT side and the artificial intelligence, just to keep up with those skills is, is a tremendous you know, amount. But look at how well organized Russia is and you know, different countries are from a cybersecurity threat perspective. And the fact that they're funded, they're organized, you know, when you go to the, you know, the dark web and all the tools that are available as a service in order to get credentials and get ways into organizations, it's become much more targeted in organizations. And, you know, cybersecurity is really evolved and, it, you know, it, it really needs to step up out of that, 
you know, just a part of IT to really being at the board level, but from, you know, at a larger level, but at a training level, yeah, it's certainly something that needs to be addressed. It's certainly something that, you know, um, organizations can certainly look to uh, IT resources they have that have some interest in that. And, you know, there are certainly some great courses out there. Uh, an influencer that I'm meeting in New York next week that I interact with quite a bit, um, Kevin Jackson, he's, uh, you know, he does a whole list of training and certification, you know, around different cloud and cybersecurity offerings. You know, I think that um, you look at ISAC, you look at some other organizations I see, you, you know, you look at those different places and there's certainly some ways to get trained there, but um, there is a big need in order to fill that gap. Um, you know, I've done blogging around that and interactions around that. And it's really just about um, being aware of it and developing some skill set that can support it. And really, it's changing so fast that you have to continually stay on top of it. So even people that you think are trained, um, you know, you need to, to look at that. And another thing I think, and Rob May touches on this on his TED Talks, and he's also just put out, uh, you know, an Amazon book, Human Firewall. I think a lot of where people need to be trained is all users. All users are perpetrators of cybersecurity. And the more awareness and training in that respect, the better secured you are. And not just perpetrators, but a vulnerability as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I've, I've read enough on this now and I've seen myself from working with cybersecurity, you know, where there's been threats, uh, when there's been breaches, when they're active right now. And it's a panic mode. You don't know what to do. It's, it's like, you know, you have to have a readiness plan. You have to be more versed in it. And really the skill set is hard to build as an organization. And there is a lot of opportunity out there, you know, to offer managed services around that or to seek out, you know, partnering with someone just because there is so much scope, uh, you know, and, and knowledge in order to be able to adequately be prepared for it, right? And you bring up a really good point about what happens when there's a breach. If you think about it, there are fire drills, um, you know, the military has all sorts of drills in order to train their, uh, uh, their soldiers, right? But do we have cybersecurity fire drills. I don't think that exists, right? That's a really great point. You know, it's true. And yeah, it's really good to put some plan and policy. Very few organizations even know where to start. I've met enough with executives and, you know, they're not sure where to start. You know, where do we deal with this? So I think it's a matter of pulling together and, you know, being aware that you need to do that. And how do we uh, you know, best adequately train people. And I think a big part of that is just education on what the true nature is of, of how, you know, threats work and how well organized it is. Like you watch that TED Talks, it really does put perspective in it how much information we give out. Like yeah. the fun Facebook thing, you know, you put your name in, you put all your details in. So it's awareness. You know, I know and you know, um, when you have a customer that's in the middle of the breach, it is like their building's on fire. It's very fast moving. You're panicked, right? You don't know what yeah. to do. You don't know what to do and you don't know how far it's spread, right? Like you're thinking, 
where do I go? What do I do? And, and, you know, so certainly having some kind of plan in play is going to do that. And I think what's interesting about that, and you probably have some great insight on this too, is it's not even a matter of if, and it's even starting to get the matter of not even a matter of when. It, odds are in some way, shape, or form, it's happening somewhere across your organization. Other things that have been found out uh, through consultants that I've worked with, through investigations and forensics that have been done after the fact, is they're inside your organization for 100 days plus. So how much information have they been just tracking? Once they get in at the system admin level, you can't differentiate them between you or a sysadmin. So what exactly are they doing, tracking? Um, you know, it's really unknown at that point. So yeah, big, big push to get better training and you know, better support for that, for sure. Now, let's take this uh, cybersecurity conversation to the next level. And let's talk a little bit about hacks and data breaches, because, you know, they're happening at an alarming rate. Mm -hmm. uh, just to quote some statistics, um, according to Statista, uh, as of mid-2018, there were 668 data breaches exposing 22.4 million records of data. I mean, that's Massive. Yeah, it's massive, right? How can we leverage emerging technologies such as AI, machine learning, and cloud in order to bolster our data security? Well, I'm going to give you some interesting perspective there. So uh, one thing that I've gotten, you know, through the experience in cybersecurity and knowing it better is, you know, certainly looking at, you know, traditionally we're about um, perimeter, right? Perimeter control, endpoint control, you know, I put up a fence and the gate and I should be good, right? I feel, but, like, I feel like we're in the military now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, it is, it is very military. Like I, you know, like it is like putting that, you know, you've got, we should be fine. We've got our, you know, border protected, right? But the intel definitely is they're getting through. There, there's points in your, in your armor where they're penetrating quite easily. And certainly you want to review, you want to look at, uh, you know, having next generation gear for hardware, for firewalls, for endpoint, you know, that do more application visibility and not just port and protocol so that you're getting beyond, um, you know, things like that. Um, you know, so there's, there's a number of different things, but other things that I've seen from going through assessments and, you know, following industry standard formats, frameworks like NIST, you know, is that it's about how all that information is flowing across the organization. You got a growth and scale of all these different devices, both cloud-based and IoT-based out on the edge. So you've got all these competing factors and more and more logs and more and more log sources. And most breaches have even more, an indicator in a log, but people just aren't managing it and they don't know how to to you know, get at that information. So if you look at a, a SIM and you, and a SIM is like, a, it's looking at events, it's looking at information event monitoring. Uh, so basically it's like, a, this is where you really get into the artificial intelligence land. Um, can you just define that term SIM? Yeah, SIM is a, uh, it's, what it is, is it's your um, security information event monitoring it, it, tool, what it's doing is it's monitoring all logs, 
um, that are going through the organization. So I'll give you an example, right? So when you look at um, across the organization, you've got firewalls, you've got servers, you've got desktops, you've got, you know, all kinds of devices, you've got IoT devices, all those devices create logs. So a server log or, you know, a login log or, you know, what you've set up a new PC or you've, you know, authenticated yourself from a remote access point, right? So all those devices, they have, you know, all these things happening across the network. And then you have firewalls that are put in with rules and they'll do some different things for, uh, you know, detecting, um, you know, any kind of signatures they see are off, things like that. So they're all looking, but they have log sources or they have places where they have audit trails of what's going on in those records and they're retained in a database or in a log somewhere. And the point of them is to look at them. But with all the scale and technology, there's no way that you can look at all those logs. So what happens is when you put a SIM in place, right, and you put that event monitoring tool in place, it looks at all those points and it sets up a collector. And what that collector does is all those records point to that collector. But what they do is in the design of whatever collector that is, um, you know, whatever that SIM product is, they'll have a big data lake of information that they source both from the um, industry. So there's different sites, uh, you know, public that have information about hackers, that have information about potential threats, that have all that detail. They'll source that information and then they'll also source their own information that they're gaining from all their clients in this big data lake. And the, where the artificial intelligence and in machine learning comes into play is they know from a hacking perspective that hacks happen with technology that's quite old, but it's taken and augmented slightly. So if there was, you know, Trojan, worms, whatever, you know, you see all these various ones that have come across, they're usually rudimentally based on a previous one with some tweak and, and change to it. So it's hard to identify on the open market when these new variants come out. And that's where the issue is. So say, for example, you know, you do have a firewall out and they're updating all their um, intel on a, you know, let's say on a, some of them are 24 hour basis. Let's say even if it was five hours as an example, right? So in five hours, the hackers put in a, a new variant, um, they put it in a really pretty looking email that looks just like your company email, uh, your firewall doesn't pick it up, your endpoint doesn't pick it up, you click on it, boom, you've infected it, you might not even know it, right? So how the SIM gets and, and takes some additional layers of security is, it uses machine technology and artificial intelligence through data science and analytics, looking at that data lake of information. And it looks for abnormalities, slight difference of changes within those files with hash, it might be in the hash detail, it might be in something in the, the way the, you know, even to the port and protocol, how it's changing, you know, different things on that perspective. 
right? So it's got all these things happening and, and going along. But what it does is then it defines, well, we know that this previous, you know, um, malware or anything else was like this. And this one here seems to have some similarities. Flag it, right? So then when it flags it, you get these severities. So you get a severity uh, between a zero and a four. A severity zero is you better act on this right now. Something is happening. Boom. So first what that can do is source out where those different things happen. Now from a machine learning perspective, every time it finds these different variables, it then takes that and it does machine learning. So it gets to more deep learning. And as it builds that up, it gives an arsenal of what to do if that happens again. Also update the public internet of where these different threats are. And it also gives an ability to go back to your SOC or NOC or wherever you have your central support for your whole network. It gives the ability for those technical support people to go ahead and get flagged. Oh, wait, I've got a severity zero. I better get right on it. But let's take it a step further. So if you take it a step further, and this is where things get interesting and excites me, right? So if you know there's a threat, you're at night. Your, your whole IT department, they don't want a phone call. They would rather sleep through the night and not be bothered with it. Well, take it another level and have automated control, machine to machine control of that device. And I'll, I'll explain that a little further. So from a perspective of an of a endpoint, let's say, for example, you're getting logs from your firewall, from your email server, from your infrastructure server, your app server, all these different points. You've got someone who's logged in at a remote location. Maybe they didn't do, you know, they didn't do their VPN or something was off or Anything you else? Mean like your sys admin doesn't live in Iran. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, yeah. There you go. <laughs> I can't help that. <laughs> but really, so what happens is now all of a sudden you've got some kind of activity where it is off. Where all of a sudden this device boots up and you know it it, it flags the severity and things are seeming off. Well, why not just automatically control that endpoint device and pull it off the network? Makes sense. If That's, this, then this. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, not only take it off the network, but put it into, uh, you know, your own cloud environment where, you know, your test lab environment where you can go ahead and do your own forensics on it, everything else, and identify what happened to it get the intel from it right away that you have available, but more importantly, pull it off the network with a you know machine to machine control. That's where things are going from a cybersecurity AI and um, you know machine control perspective. And you bring up a really good point. I mean, you, this was an excellent description as to why you cannot ignore technologies such as AI and machine learning uh, for things like cybersecurity because the bad guys, the threat actors, they've got access to all this technology. Uh, you know, like we've heard on, uh, from uh, some of our guests uh, before,
the threat actors, they're not some guys living in a cave in a back world. You they're, know, the crowd, world. they're in a coffee shop, yeah. You know, these, these people, they are uh, technologically advanced and they have access to all the latest tools, uh, probably even more than we have. So I, it, it's true. It's, it's, I've read a few things on this and it, it really is about down to a war of machines, right? Yeah. That's what they really deem it as. And when you really see how, you know, they're saying that there's more users on the dark web than on the regular web and that there is more activity, you know, it, it, it's a really great unknown. And I think that's what people, they just get comfortable with what they know. You log into your computer, you go to Internet Explorer, you go to Chrome, or you go to Firefox, and, oh, I'm all right, I'm logged in. And even at the system and, and you know, uh, IT level where you've got some pretty good knowledge, that's where there's this bigger, bigger divide between cybersecurity professional and IT professional because even they're thinking, oh, no, this is all fine. This is how Microsoft designs or this is how, you know, I have it set up uh, from how it uses it but they don't realize how simple it is to get to the internet without a browser or a Tor browser and how much you can see in a company's or someone's PC or how you can go on the dark web and easily get a software as a service, you know, pay a little bit. Uh, maybe it's a Bitcoin transaction and, and no one's even seen it, but you can utilize a tool that gets admin keys and gets you into their environment. And once you're in an assistant environment, watch out. And there's gonna be more to follow up, follow up on this. And um, this is really intriguing to me is, so much today is the key and the lock are behind the same door, right? So you've got system administrators that are doing work on an environment, right? Where they hold both the lock and key it's going to fail at some point, no matter how secure it is, no matter what process you have. It's, it can be flawed from people, from someone coming inside your organization, from you know someone getting their way in and then doing that. That's a little harder to control, right? And those are things that we know are happening in the market. So to me, what's really interesting and where I'm doing some work and uh, having some conversation around is, why not put the key outside or the, you know, so that that's in another domain. So now all of a sudden, yes, it's locked down here, but you don't have the key in the same place. And this is where I think things like blockchain and, and you touched this when we were chatting earlier, things like blockchain and artificial intelligence are really going to help to enable that further control and further press down on all the cyber crime that's happening and better identify where these things are triggering so that people can be, you know, more secure and safe in how they utilize all this emerging tech. Yeah. And it'll, it'll be interesting to see how this uh, plays out. It sure will. So Tony, um, let's uh, shift gears a little bit and talk about digital transformation, you know, cause everybody's doing some form of, digital transformation or another, what do CIOs need to know in order to implement a successful digital transformation project? 
Well, I think that the main thing I see with this is you certainly see enough buzzword around about digital transformation, right? You know, like, oh, you better digitally transform your organization. Well, before you start anything, define what it is that you want to do. Why, what is it that you would like to accomplish? So, for example, if you have a, a you know, a current way of, of, like, back to your example of fulfilling orders for your coffee machine, right? If you know that you've had some issues with your customers or you've had some lag in sales and you know that you haven't been getting those refresh orders, well, now you've got something to look at. So identify what you want to do. And then from there, really define, you know, what it is you want to do with the technology. Now, you, like this whole thing of just immediately, well, just rip and replace. No, it's not a reality. Uh, there's so much combined, uh, both on-prem, off-prem, edge, like edge plus cloud, right? There's so many different variables. To think you're just going to rip and replace? Not going to happen. Cloud migration happens where it makes sense. I think I read something along the lines that 60-some percent, a high percentage of infrastructure is still on-premise at an organization. So yes, cloud adoption is growing in a rapid rate and will continue to grow. Where you see it really grow and you'll see more growth is the software as a service and how does that work so I can get everything in one serviceable item, just like my early days of starting with HR outsourcing on the cloud, right? So I think you'll see more of that break out and unfold, um, but it, it's certainly interesting days, man. Yeah, for sure. So cloud or prem? Um, both. I, I think that you can't get around that. So even to carry that digital transformation, you know, story further and put a little more, you know, flesh on that, the cloud or, or on-prem, well, you can't get away from both today. Certainly, you know, as a game plan going forward, do your ROI, look at what your total cost of ownership is, you know, look at and plan where it makes sense to migrate old legacy, you know, application or infrastructure, you know, do your cost of ownership on that. Make sure you have a good angle on that and be open to better utilizing the cloud, but also look at how you can go ahead and better utilize your technology across the board so that you're not halting yourself thinking, well, I'm not going to do any of this unless I have cloud. This isn't going to work. Well, no, that's not true. If you you know, if you really take it on a project by project basis and have a goal and a, you know have a way of doing it. Um, recently, I did a, a podcast with with IBM, and it was related to the May announcement of uh, Red Hat and um, IBM Cloud having a better relationship together. What does that mean? Well, it's really leveraging all this new technology, emerging technology around container control, uh, you know, around Kubernetes, you know, where you can have, you know, all your whole environment within, you know, one container. What does that mean? How does that more effectively work? But what that's done is it's enabled this 
this way to work together both from you don't have infrastructure over here and you don't have application over here you've really merged this together so that you have a fully serviceable uh, you know control from end to end and what that can enable you to do further then is more effectively use your digital tools and truly do digital transformation so then you can look at how do I leverage objectives on what technology I have today, as opposed to saying, oh, I can never do this, I don't have the technology. There are tools more readily available that can engage your current environment, can engage multi-cloud, can engage edge, can engage you know, IoT devices to better work together utilizing those tools like you know that that announcement with with red hat and ibm or the other things that are being done in market you know you you were talking earlier about microsoft and what they're doing and you look at google and what they're doing and how big of a focus and shift they've done on cloud and on on ai so you know really i think your game plan and and your perspective from a cio is you got to work with both in a way that, that meets company objectives and you got to really have an idea and a game plan. You can't just chase technology. You have to understand how to use technology. That's a really great point. And, you know, Tony, this was a really fascinating conversation. I certainly learned a whole lot, and which is kind of why we do this. Ask the CEO. This is, this is how we educate people in the latest trends of technology. So Really appreciate you coming on. How do people connect with you? Well, you can connect with me on social media. You can go to tmanspeaks.com. You can check me out, tmanspeaks, across Twitter. You'll see me on YouTube. You'll see me on Instagram. Um, and you'll see me on LinkedIn, Tony Flath there. I'll put that into the show notes so people can just click on that and get right to it. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Yeah. So, Tony, do you have any parting words of wisdom that you'd like to share with the audience? Well, you know, it's, I would say a few things, you know, back to, you know, just putting yourself out there, going for it, you know, putting your message out there. Just don't, don't hold back. You know, you might have some fear and you might have some worry and you might have to worry about other, what other people think. In the end, it doesn't really matter. What matters is how you feel about actually going for it. And, you know, you also have to kind of bear in mind that it's not a, oh, I'm going to go for it. And immediately these things are going to take off and I'm just going to flirt. It's going to take years. It's going to take years. And it's going to take repetitive falling down and getting back up, Right. You know, it's, it's the whole Rocky Balboa speech, right? Like you, it's, it's really not, it's not about, you know, it's not about how hard you can get hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and get back up off the mat, right? So you got to take some blows and take some learning lessons and know that in that keeping at it and going at it over and over, things will start sticking. Look at you, for example, with Ask the CEO, and how much, you know, great message you get out there and, uh, you know, how we connected through that and, you know, how you've connected with so many great people. Well, all of that is based on you just going for it. And really, you don't like, yes, there's many things out there that say you got to have a plan, got to put it together, got to do this. Well, 
there's also just the thing of knowing you want to do something and going for it and the plan will come together. Tony, thank you so much for sharing your time and your wisdom. I really enjoyed having you on the show. Oh, you know what, Abraham, this has been fantastic. Uh